Our topic today is problems or, well, recognizing problems or, or even better, solving problems. Yeah, there's that. I wrote an article for our clients about the importance of, of knowing what problem we solve like as a, as a company, as an entity, as an organization. The premise of the article was that it's not about what you do, even if we love what we do, that's not enough. It, it's much better for, for the customer to know what problem we're solving. What, what, are we, what problem are we solving for somebody? And the way to kind of define this is this concept of a solution statement. In other words, your solution statement is this is the problem I solve for people. And option one is that this solution statement can be clear enough that people instantly get it or, and because they have the problem or someone they know has a problem that you solve, or they don't see why it's a problem and they just, they move on. They're like, that, that's not a problem that exists for me. Therefore, it's not a, a problem that exists in the world. Yeah. And a lot of times so, people don't necessarily understand that they even have the problem. They're frustrated by correct. something, but they don't understand what the problem is. And that you have to, you have to get them to the point where they instantly, where they have that insight, oh, I have a problem and this is how I can solve it. Yeah, now I understand it. Yep. The idea behind the solution statement is it should be clear enough that you recognize, like you said, you either notice that you had this problem or you don't. Because if you sort of have the problem and you're trying to figure out, is, is that what you do? Does that solve my problem? I, now you're all distracted. It should be, oh, that's what I want. Like the electrician can make the power come back on. That's what I want. I want an electrician. So easy. So what, how, do you, how do you define Skyway? What's the, what problem does Skyway solve? So the problem we solve for people is that this is the problem people have. They say, I don't understand the contracting officer's point of view on fill in the blank. Yeah. That applies to the government side who they want to understand the contracting officer's point of view on how, why industry does things. And it applies to the industry side. Like people who listen to our podcast on the industry side, they want to understand the contracting officer's point of view on their proposal, their contract, et cetera. So people either immediately go, yes, I have that problem or they don't. Yeah. And if that article, I wrote it on, on August 29th, it's in your inbox if you're those of you who are uh, Skyway uh, clients. So today we'll dig into how understanding the problem applies to government contracting and provide some concepts on how both sides can benefit from better understanding the, the problem and solution statements. Yeah, this is a really big part of contracts. <laughs> contracts are designed to solve a problem. So here we go. Let's rewind using far time. Let's rewind back to where the problem and solution statement fits in the GovCon process. So FAR 7.105 is the contents of a written acquisition plan. And acquisition plans are required in certain circumstances, of, in acquisitions of certain size or complexity. But the requirement for when you need a written acquisition plan is left more to the individual agencies. So the, the, the next level down the, of the FAR, the Defense FAR Supplement, the Department of Energy FAR Supplement, has, has the, the specific requirements. Yeah, so it, uh, uh, DFARs for contracts over $10 million or in some cases up to $50 million, that's when a written acquisition plan is required. We actually have to write out your, what problem are you trying to solve. For the Department of Energy, the number is 5.5 million. There always should be some kind of acquisition plan, but it's a matter of 
how how much documentation is required. That's what these numbers are referring to. There's a threshold where the the FAR says you shall document it in the following way. Yeah, the rigor because documenting it makes you go through the whole process. Yeah, exactly, it, it adds more rigor to the to the the acquisition. So. <laughs> The, the problem, not huh, I'm using problem in our conversation about problem. <laughs> there you go. The situation with the FAR, FAR 7.105A does not say, first, state your problem clearly. Though I wish it did. It'd be so much easier. Yeah, but hey, we would, yeah. wouldn't have an episode about it, right? What it says is you start with a statement of need. It says, introduce the plan, the acquisition plan. By a brief statement of need, summarize the technical and contractual history of the acquisition, discuss feasible acquisition alternatives, the impact of prior acquisitions on those alternatives, and any related in-house effort. But it, it doesn't say... doesn't say problem. Yeah, start with what, what problem you're trying to solve, right? It's really common for, for people, in, in not just in government acquisition, but in any situation, to skip over the actual problem and jump to what they think they need and then end up disappointed with the solution that they've they've chosen. The rest of FAR 7.105, paragraphs 2 through 8, talk about the conditions, the costs, the delivery, the risks, other elements related to the problem, all under the title of, of acquisition objectives, which is which is kind of gov speak for what the what problem is this acquisition trying to solve, but it's not explicit. It doesn't explicitly say what problem we're trying to solve. And so going back to the, to the Skyway puzzle, like Skyway problems, uh, Skyway solution statement, there you go, is we we bring the contracting officer's point of view to, to to the puzzle, right? So if you say, well, I understand this contract. Well, if you understand the contract, it's because you've not written it as a contracting officer. So having that idea of I need a contracting officer to look at so he's been a contracting officer to look at this document and say, look at this differently to tell me what I'm missing. That's the problem you're trying to solve. Yeah, what you're missing. It's important that we started by talking about the acquisition plan because the acquisition plan, it doesn't exist for the purposes of having an acquisition plan. Right? It exists for <laughs> it's not just a check in a box. Yeah. It's it's it supports solving a problem. Remember the, the, the three deciders from episode 118 back in the day? The customer, the economic decider, and the contracting officer, the three deciders in a government acquisition. So the customer has the problem. That's that's the, the user who has the problem. The economic decider has the money to give to the customer to solve the problem, right? Hopefully, Hopefully they, they have the, enough money. Yeah enough, yeah, enough money. That's a different issue. The contracting officer doesn't have the problem and doesn't have the money. They're, they're the integrator, right? That's the whole, the whole premise behind the three deciders is the contracting officer takes the money from the economic decider and uses a contract vehicle to solve a problem for the customer. Yeah. But if we, if both sides don't under, understand clearly what the problem is that we're trying to solve is what we end up with is the contracting officer takes the money from the economic decider and awards a contract for the customer that doesn't actually solve the problem. Yeah. And I'm raising my hand because I've done that a couple of times where you put this big IDIQ contract together and it gives them all this stuff. And they're like, I, that's not really what I need. Yeah. And the contract doesn't get used. Yep. If you're focused on the, the, the process on the steps in the acquisition plan, you, you, you run the risk of awarding a contract for something that doesn't actually solve well, any problem, but but at a minimum, not the right problem. Maybe it solves a problem, yeah, but not go. the one you're trying to solve. 
Yeah, back, back in uh, episode 331, which is the GovCon cube, the base of the cube was what are we awarding the contract for, which is what is the problem? The idea is the base of the cube is the, the, creates the stability of the GovCon cube. That was the whole point of the cube. The six sides have to all be equal so that, it, so that it, it's a stable cube. Well, the base is, is, is the problem we're solving. If we don't clearly understand the problem we're solving right out of the gate, we're not going to have a stable cube. Yeah, before I said, if you skip over the the actual problem and you jump to the solution, then you, you may be, end up disappointed with your solution. An example here, and I'm not going to talk about a deck, I'm, but I am going to use a, a house example. So let's just say your furniture is all fading because the sunlight from a big window is coming in every day in the afternoon and just frying it. And, and now it's not the color that you uh, want it to be. Or... You, you just bought new furniture and you don't want it to fade like the old furniture did. Well, what what is the actual problem? It, it's it's easy to say, well, the, the problem is the window. And what the government would do or sometimes does is say, well, let's let's put up, let's brick over the window or put up plywood over it and then no more sun. Problem solved, window. right? Problem solved. But now you can't see outside, right? Now there's no light in the room at all. That's... The, it, it definitely solved the problem of fading, but that's not the only solution, right? That's, that, that ignores the rest of the situation. There are a lot of other potential solutions out there that you may not even be aware of. Now, if it's Windows, most of us are aware of potential solutions, right? You could get some curtains. You could get blinds. Or you could get the film, the, uh, the, the UV film yeah. that actually blocks the, blocks the UV that's fading but doesn't actually block the light so you can see out the window and see the deck that you built with the last contract right yeah exactly so if if what you really want to do is still be able to see out and not have your furniture fade then film is the perfect solution right but if if you start with the solution of hey the sunlight's fading my furniture i'm gonna get curtains well then you have a choice either you close the curtains you can't see out no light in the room or your furniture fades, right? So the, the, the point is, don't jump right to a solution. There may be other solutions that you've never even thought of that satisfy the greater need. And the important lesson here in GovCon, this is why market research and the whole market research yeah. zone is so important. Because I learned about the film by doing market research in, in this actual story. But as a contracting officer, don't assume that the way we solved this problem last time is the only one that's out there. That's why you put out RFIs. That's why we. That's why communication matters, because there may be a different way to solve the problem. That because you're right, Paul. The problem is fading furniture. The problem isn't the window. The problem is the fading furniture. Or the problem isn't so, the sun. Let's put out the sun. <laughs> That'll stop it. <laughs> there we go. Let's get okay. rid of the sun. So it's very easy to to to. to well, the problem we did last, or the solution we had last time, we just blocked blocked the light. There are other solutions that you learn about by communicating with industry. So yeah. that's the big lesson to me. You just jumped us right to the time zones. Uh, you even said market research zone, right? So what we're talking about, what is the problem, is right at the beginning of the acquisition time zones. We start with the requirements zone. This is where you're writing the requirements to solve your problem. Market research zone is where you're testing do our requirements actually solve the problem or are there other solutions available that we didn't even think of and we need to adjust our requirements? Because if you wrote your requirements as must be a curtain that's this big, you know, this size, 
uh, and retractable because that's covers my window. You might get to the market research zone and say, who has curtains? And somebody shows up and says, hey, we have blinds that could just filter the light. So you still have some light in the room. You can't see out, but you have light in the room. Oh, wait, we have UV protective film where you can see out just like you could before, but it doesn't fade and you still get all the light. Wow. If, if I had released a solicitation with the requirements for the curtains that are a certain size, the other guys would have lost. They would have never even bid. And I'd be stuck with curtains that block my view and darken the room. And, and fun fact, the, the film was actually less expensive than custom blinds. Just, I was surprised to find that out too. <laughs> so you, when you take, take the, it's going to be cheaper argument out of it and go back to what problem are we solving and then find out if the economic decider has enough money. Don't assume that just because it's a solution you haven't used, it's going to be more expensive. Sometimes it's it's the opposite. I didn't I didn't even know we were talking about a real situation when when I <laughs> threw out the the curtains and the film thing. I should have guessed that in, in Florida this is a real thing that we got to deal with, right? Yeah, it makes a huge difference. <laughs> it's almost like it's like putting film on your car. Same idea. You put yeah. you put the film on the on the windows of your car. It's the same kind of thing, but it makes a huge difference in your house. That's uh, great. All right, that's the time zones. As a refresher, episode number three is where we talk about the acquisition time zones. And then even though they didn't apply here, the execution time zones are in episode 372. All right, Kevin, let's wrap this up before we get too deep. On the government side, the more you understand and communicate the actual problem, the more likely only those who can solve the problem are going to contact you, as opposed to people who are just trying to sell you all kinds of different versions of blinds. The problem is the fading furniture. So tell them what the problem is. You're going to get better results. Um, I, as it, It's very easy to get hung up on on all the elements of, of FAR 7.105. It says, hey, we need to ask this and this and this. But unfortunately, <laughs> that part of the FAR doesn't say, tell industry the problem you're trying to solve yeah. and then let them answer. That's That should be like the first bullet. <laughs> so for for example, when this, one of the things that we sell, obviously, is is training, right? Yeah. One of the criterion that when I asked industry, what kind of training are you looking for? They said, we're looking, actually, this wasn't just industry. This is anybody. They said, we're looking for training. That's not another PowerPoint. And so now the, the problem they're solving isn't training. The problem they're solving is training that their, their employees will use. Yep. Turns out our podcast, because it's portable, it's concise. They can listen to it at the gym or when they're driving or whatever, they'll use it. So when I said to them, we'll just use this podcast content, it's it's going to solve that problem because the problem is I want training that my employees will use yeah, as opposed to just send me training. See, the difference there is that they, when they gave me the core problem, I was able to show them this podcast 2.0 license, which if you listen to this, you've got one, you get it, it because it's easily consumable. It's one of the one of the benefits of this of this medium. Yeah. Start with the problem. Then go backwards through all of the basics of the acquisition plan. Even if even if the uh, written plan isn't required, start with what problem you're trying to solve and everything gets gets easier. But <laughs> defining the problem is is not easy, right? That that is hard. We've talked about that many times. Yeah, the the, the value of having the conversation to clearly define the problem, it's 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 worth the time. We'll put it that way. Government folks don't don't skip this step if you can. Don't skip getting industry input on defining the problem. You you may find solutions that you didn't even know exist, right? What if they said, well, the best way to keep your furniture from fading is to plant a tree uh, to, to block the sun so that it doesn't come in. You'll still get light, but the direct sun won't hit your furniture. 
Well, that's great. Thirty years from now, I'll have a tree. That's gonna say it's a long term plan, <laughs> right? But it's it's a it's a solution, right? That's not what we need here. But if you wrote your requirements wrong, you might end up having to award to the tree people because they perfectly uh, solved your your problem, right? It, that's funny. It's true. That's why it's hard to write the, the requirements, right? And a perfect acquisition plan with perfect requirements executed flawlessly is useless. If you buy something that doesn't solve your problem, if your perfect requirements don't solve the problem, if everyone understands what the requirements are, but it doesn't end up solving the problem, you lose. Yeah, I've, I've had, I'm having flashbacks of the number of modifications I've had to make to contracts because of this problem. Yeah. Where we, we, we didn't clearly solve the problem. We solved part of it, solved a little bit of it, mostly got there, but then we had to negotiate post-award to refine the solution so the customer was ultimately happy. And that goes back to, did it solve the whole problem? Yep. Industry folks, give the government some grace <laughs> on not clearly defining the problem. It, it, it's hard. It is hard, especially to put it on paper. Yeah, we, we talked about the, how hard it is in episodes 172 and uh, 320. Yeah. Where we talked about this concept of requirements versus solutions and how, how difficult it is to, to get like a a user, like a, 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 a Navy SEAL or a, a intelligence analyst to sit down and define their problem. That doesn't sound like fun work for them. So getting the customer, the government customer to clearly explain their problem isn't easy. You're right, Paul. Uh, industry needs to give government some grace that sometimes this takes some work to yeah. get it right. Yeah. We, we usually, in, in defining the problem, we, we usually jump to the solution, right? The problem is I don't have curtains. That if, if, if all you've ever had is curtains, that's how you see the problem is, is I don't have curtains when really the problem is it's solvable in many ways, right? So for industry folks, the, the more that, that you target people who have a problem that, that you can solve, the, the more that you explain to them why your solution is better than the curtains that they jump to right away, right? The more likely they're talk to you and buy from you, but they have to understand how you solve their problem. We'll pick this up in the next episode where we're going to talk through how defining the problem helps the industry folks, especially target real opportunities, but it also helps the government solve their actual problem by getting proposals from companies or organizations that will more likely to solve the specific problem. This helps with targeting because we've talked in many episodes about how important targeting opportunities is, but understanding the problem takes the targeting to a new level. In the meantime, if you have any questions about this particular topic, you can post them in the podcast 2.0 forum inside Skyway Central. Remember, Skyway, the Skyway community is now referred to as Skyway Central. All right. With that, Kevin, I'll talk to you later. Yeah, I'll see you on the next one. <laughs>